You're listening to Panels of Blood, part of SplatterPictures.net. Previously on Panels of Blood, Dr. Julianne Quinn has recently returned to her hometown of Springwood to apply her psychiatric skills in an investigation of a most perplexing phenomenon. Many of the town's teenagers suffer from nightmares about the deceased child killer, Freddy Krueger, and often die shortly afterwards. Soon after her arrival, Dr. Quinn meets a young woman named Allison Hayes, who claims to almost have been killed by Freddy. Using techniques developed by Dr. Quinn, the two women dream together in hopes of finding Freddy and ridding Allison of his evil presence. But no sooner do they enter the dream world than they discover that Freddy has instead found them. And he isn't about to let them go. And now, the conclusion of Freddy Krueger's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Dream Stalkers, Part 2. Written by Steve Gerber. Pencil Breakdowns, Tony Desuniga. Finishes by Alfredo Alcala. Letters, Janice Chang. Cover, Joe Jusco. A full page spread, we see Allison and Julianne struggling among a weird landscape, gnarled branches, a child's bicycle, a baseball bat, a little girl's dress, a jump rope, the disturbing images of the mind of Freddy Krueger, these women sinking below his colossal brains as he's become a literal mountain Caption, Inside Freddy's Brain. Allison Hayes and Dr. Julianne Quinn struggled to keep from sinking into the convolutions of gray matter and the debris of murderous memories. Allison. Julianne, what happened? I thought we were supposed to be in control of the dream. How did Kruger take o- Allison plunges deep down into a crevasse of open brains. Julianne reaches to catch her. Allison, I've got you. Don't panic. She manages at the last second to grab Allison by the wrist and hold her up. I've got you. Don't panic. That's exactly what he wants. Allison dangling. I'm I'm trying. Oh, oh God, what's that sound? A grotesque sound. And we see a grim specter 
shrouded in a black cloak, the back of a floating car, and from that car, bones and severed limbs of children spewing out the back, this inky, black, grotesque, bile-like substance surrounding them all. Allison will be drowned in the sludge of his mind. Allison and Julianne continue to sink into this sludgy, macabre abyss. Julianne, no, it's a dream. He can't. Caption, the bludgeoning current engulfs them both and bears them away on a flood tide of filth. Desperately, Julianne battles the drift to reach for Allison's hand. But, when at last she makes contact, and indeed, when she reaches into the sludge, a ghostly hand transforms into Freddy Krueger's glove, and we see him spring forth from the goo. Krueger lends a whole new meaning to the term dirty mind, doesn't it? <laughs> Hang on, Jules. We're going to take a little spill. <laughs> we see Julianne sinking below what could only be described as water. There seems to be some kind of uh, amoeba pulsating around her. The disembodied voice of Kruger. Whoops, we go! Over the falls, without a barrel, then down, 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 down! Main floor, next! We see Julianne now, on solid ground, in a bright spotlight. Her head's down, her hair in her face. She's trying to get her bearings. Kruger. On your feet, Jules. Time for Dindin. Julianne. What? We see the macabre dinner. A family of decomposing children. Looks like uh, something, they're so rotten, it's almost like something out of EC Comics. And they're sitting at a small round wooden table with a sheer tablecloth over top of it. The dinner seems to be rotten fruits and meats. Julianne stands there aghast. Kruger, you mind eating at the kids' table? <laughs> Julianne, oh my god. One of the children. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. Five, six, grab your crucifix. Seven, eight, gotta stay up late. Nine, ten. Aw, oh, hell, you know the rest. We see Julianne running through the hallways. Allison? Allison, where are you? One of the zombified children beckons her with a rotten finger. Hey, lady, I think she's down here. In the basement. Julianne now stepping over this rotten child. Uh, thank you. The child lying on the floor with a withered hand pointed towards her. Snuffin'. Gotta die. Bye. Julianne. Yeah, so long. Julianne now, walking down the stairs. Allison? Can you hear me? Are you down there? The disembodied voice of Allison. I met a man 
upon a stair. Julianne. Allison? A little man who wasn't there. Julianne. Is that you? I looked again, and he was gone. All of a sudden, the stairs Julianne was standing on vanish. Kruger. And so were those damn stairs! <laughs> You're gonna tumble for me, Jules. Together, we'll plunge to new depths of depravity, degradation. Julianne, grabbing a chain. Shut up! Rudeness. We now see that Julianne is swinging into the dreamscape version of Freddy Krueger's boiler room. Krueger. Hiya, Doc. Need a hand? Julianne. Where is she, Krueger? What have you done with her? Come down, and I'll tell ya. <laughs> Julianne still hanging from the chain, keeping the high ground. Thanks, but if you don't mind, I'll pass. I'll just lower myself on the chain over to the catwalk. Chain? What chain? The chain turns to a venomous cobra. Startling Julianne, she drops it and falls into Freddy Krueger's arms. Face it, Jules. One way or the other, I just had to get my hands on you. You see, I've got this thing for professional women. <laughs> the bitch that raised me was a pro, too. But you know all about that, don't you? You've been reading up on me. He slams Julianne down to the ground and looms over her. Somebody should have warned you, though. A little knowledge can be dangerous. He presents his claws, and they make a shing sound. Your book report's gonna be late, Jules. So are you. Then, from the burning boiler, get away from her. What? I said back off, you bastard. We see of a fireball heading directly to Freddy Krueger. It's like a Hadouken or something. And I mean it. Whoosh. It strikes Krueger dead center in the chest. Get lost, creep. And don't come back. We see Krueger burning away to nothingness. And from the fire is Allison. And she's just lit a flame. She's almost like a living flame. She says... Julianne, are you all right? Julianne. Hallison? My God, how did you do that? Huh? Do what? I knew you were in trouble somehow. I screamed at Kruger to let you go. And that's all I remember. Did I do something else? We see Allison now holding herself almost as if she's shivering. Julianne leading her uh, away. We'll discuss it later. What we have to do now is wake up. Allison. I'll try. Julianne, think of the hospital bed, your room in Springwood Medical. We see now the two women lying in bed together. It's actually interesting because, uh, well, the last time we saw them, uh, Julianne was sitting in a chair and sort of draped over Allison, but now the two women are uh, lying next to each other. Allison nods. J Julianne? Are we awake? Julianne, mm, I think so, yes. Forgive me, Allison. Neither of us was ready for that dreaming true experiment. We've been letting Kruger dictate our timetable. That has to stop. You did something extraordinary in there. I don't want you to face him again until 
And she picks up the notepad that she had scribbled the image of the desert landscape with the mountaintop, which allowed them to dream true uh, and think of the same place together. And instead, it is in Freddy Krueger's creepy, bloody handwriting. I'm holding your place in hell. Signed, F. Allison. Julianne? Is anything wrong? Allison, again. Julianne? Julianne, turning away from her. Hiding the the uh, letter from Kruger. No, no, nothing's wrong. It's just lost in thought. Allison, I'm going to prescribe an unusual medication for you. It's called Hypnosil. It's a dream suppressant. It'll allow your body to get the recuperative rest it needs, but prevents you from dreaming. Allison, no dreams, no Freddy. Julianne, exactly. Take this now and sleep. I'll be back in the morning. Julianne, as she's walking out, she addresses the nurse. Nurse, may I see you a moment? The nurse, of course, Dr. Quinn. See that Allison gets one of these every four to six hours. Whenever she shows signs of drowsiness, the nurse, but her physician, I'll take full responsibility. Just do it. Caption, a short time later, the Springwood Police Department. In my opinion, Sergeant Miller, Allison's injuries were not inflicted by her parents. I know you find it difficult to believe, but this is the case. We see Julianne standing there uh, with the sergeant. In fact, I want to meet with Mr. and Mrs. Hayes immediately. Sergeant, at two o'clock in the morning, doctor? I'm afraid so, Sergeant. Allison's in grave danger. Every moment counts. We see now the sergeant, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Hayes, and Julianne all sitting around in the kitchen, and they're, they're all just sipping on some coffee, which, by the way, I am also. Caption, 2.22 a.m., the Hayes residence. Mrs. Hayes, a prolonged period of sleep or unconsciousness? Yes. When Allison was six, she had a bad case of scarlet fever. Her temperature spiked to 106 for four days. Most of that time, she spent fading in and out of sleep. Sergeant, still, I don't see what that's got to do with. Julianne, later, Sergeant. Miss Hayes, did Allison describe any dreams she had during that illness? Miss Hayes, actually, yes. Yes, she did. <clears throat> Something about visiting a magical world. The usual kinds of things. Monsters, witches, maybe elves and fairies. But she described it very vividly. We thought she must have seen it on TV and recalled it in her dreams. Julianne now leaving. Thank you both. I think you may have given me part of what I need to help your daughter. Miss Hayes, thank you, doctor. Uh, Mr. Hayes. Really, all we want is what's good for Allison. Since the first time we see Mr. Hayes, he's drunk. I, I feel like my, my voice for him is he's always drunk, even though it's 2.30 in the morning and he's just drinking coffee. So he's probably, well, you know what? His drunk voice and his sleepy voice. Mm, yeah, we'll say that. A very similar. Establishing shot. Julianne's apartment. Caption. Later. Julianne on the phone. Forgive my disturbing you at this hour, Donna Valencia, but it's truly urgent. This, this character uh, being introduced, Donna Valencia, I believe, I believe that she is uh, one of the doctors that worked 
with Nancy in the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, I would have to go back and check. But um, if anyone knows for sure, let me know. But I believe th- this is sort of just like an Easter egg. Hey, look, it's this character. We see Julianne lying in bed. I need to know if it's possible for someone to have learned dream stalking without ever having been exposed to your teachings. It's not even rare, Juliana. However, the accidental dream stalker will not comprehend what he has accomplished or be able to control it. And we see Dr. Valencia. She is in a picturesque area. I don't know if it's her house or whatever, but or be able to control it. An untrained dream stalker would be drawn to entities of power in the dream world without being able to differentiate the benign from the corrupt. Naturally, this would place the dreamer in grave danger. Juliana, I must advise you, if you are treating such a person, be most careful. Before they can be helped, they must be made to understand the talent they possess and all its potentially deadly implications. Establishing shot, exterior of the Springwood Medical Center, the following day. Allison in bed. No, no dreams at all, just like you promised. I even ate breakfast this morning. I feel almost normal for the first time in months. Julianne. Good. We'll keep you on the hypnosil till your strength completely returns. She leans in. There's an important question I have to ask you now, even if it's a little disturbing, okay? Allison. Sure, I guess. Do you recall the very first time you encountered Fred Krueger in your dreams? Allison. (laughs) Boy, do I. Julianne. Good. Now think carefully. Was that dream like any of your other Freddy dreams? Did you see the boiler room or the old house? Did you hear the children reciting their rhyme? Ugh, man, that's weird. I really never thought about it before, but that first time was totally different. Julianne, okay, now, if you feel strong enough, I want you to tell me everything you remember about that first dream. You feel up to it? Allison, yeah, yeah, I want to. We see Allison uh, looking a lot younger. She might be 12 or 14, it's hard to say. Uh, She's in a meadow, and there's cows and trees and butterflies, but also looks to be like some kind of prehistoric bird, like a pterodactyl or something flying behind her. I guess pterodactyl is not a, a bird, but you, you, you know what I mean. Allison's narration. I started out like most of my dreams. Silly, you know? I was in this meadow with a cow and a horse and a pterodactyl flying by. But not scary. It was funny. Then, uh, we see a disembodied silly voice. Always the same, turn back on the stew. What a lunch bucket! I couldn't turn around, but somehow I knew it was there. And we see a, a big uh, anthropomorphic rabbit. He's wearing a, a, a funny shirt and a polka dotted uh, giant oversized bow tie, and he's wearing a top hat. It's almost as if it was like some crappy Alice in Wonderland type thing, or or like a bad Easter bunny costume. The bunny Balsuk. Where's the toast? And we see Allison running with some pigeons. Then, I was racing the birds, running like I used to when I was a kid, out of the meadow to this fork in the road. The sign pointed the way to four places, 
and we see this sign. It's a it's just an old timey signpost with a a bunch of wood panels, kind of shaped like arrows, nailed to it. And the first sign says "Smile Pool," and the next one says "Pretty Birds." And the next one says good eats. And those, by the way, are all pointing in the same direction. And then there's another sign that just says grossness and the R is reversed. Then we see this path that she decides to take and things start to look a lot more foreboding. It's in deep shadow, uh, twisted branches and rocks with uh, fungi growing out of it. Tall grass. We see Allison in the distance in silhouette next to the signpost. You can guess which direction I took. I always had this sick fascination with stuff that revolts other people. I used to take dares to touch bugs and dead animals and stuff. Anyways, Edgar Allan Poe called that the imp of the perverse, uh, Allison, just as my little narrative aside. It's uh, the, the, the urge that humans have to be pulled towards things that disgust us or should disgust us. We see Allison now uh, traversing down a, a, a steep and rocky hill. Anyway, all of a sudden I was in this dark place, moving through this fog. I couldn't see where I was going at all. Just weird shapes, old dead trees, jagged rocks. No funny bunnies here. We see um, this tree that Allison is walking beside. It actually has... Uh, an old sad face in it. It almost looks like a, 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 a dead old man and there's roots that kind of look like a mustache. And then I took a step forward and screamed my brains out. It was like I stepped off a cliff. And we see Allison now on her knees after having fallen and she's in this nightmarish place. It looks like an old town like that might be in a, a carnival or or perhaps even an old west like that type of architecture just crudely nailed together boards and a lot of it's dilapidated that uh, some entire uh little houses are knocked completely over and there's just broken wood along the ground and even some of the buildings that are still up look like a strong breeze might knock them over and uh you have things that uh, signs that say red meat and then another one that says house of nails and there's a, a graphic of a, a, a carpenter on it and and then there's a sign that says hitosity bar and grill entertainment nightly allison's narration and i landed in this whole other place it was like i don't know a slum i guess only worse like the sleaze district of some old filthy town. Only it was funny, too. There was this dive. The Hidocity Bar and Grill. And I laughed because Hidocity is this word a girlfriend and I made up to describe some of the boys at school. I heard voices and music from inside. So I figured, what the hell? Let's have a look. What I saw? I mean, I can usually sort of figure out where a dream came from, you know? But this, the air reeked of smoke, sweat and puke and blood. I think the floor was covered in dirt and rot. And the people, total geek show, man. There was like nobody normal in the whole place. And that's where I first saw Freddy. And we see 
in this bar, there is just uh, every type of fucked up person you can imagine. There's some skeezy looking guy leaning on the bar and he's stabbing himself in the chest. There seems to be kind of like a doofus looking zombie holding a frosty beer. There's a woman sitting in a chair and she's got a cup and an axe in her head. Uh, there is a bunch of bimbo looking cheerleader girls, except their faces are all erupted in boils. And one of them has a baby and they're stuffing the baby's mouth full of hay. There is, um, God, there's, there's like a giant head that seems to be attached to a weird swaddled baby body and a guy with both of his eyes dangling out of his head hanging by threads and a woman with a, a cat a live cat um tied to her head with rope and two guys in the background with like 20 pound sledgehammers and they're slamming a guy and there's a fancy band like they're playing uh, string instruments the uh, violins and shit well this one guy has a uh, can't tell if he's got a slide whistle or if he's swallowing a bone. Um, there is, and and of course, in the the forefront, just sitting at a bar with a cockroach at his table and a drink, is Freddy Krueger. Been a fun opportunity for them to like fill this bar with uh, horror icons instead of a bunch of fucked up people. I like the fucked up people though. It's a, it's a nice touch. I guess it would seem more like she was just remembering old movies she saw as a kid. If it, if like Frankenstein's monster and shit like that were in it. We see Allison standing in the doorway, and she's holding her stomach. I was about to return lunch, so I turned to leave. But guess who tapped me on the shoulder? Kruger's claw, reaching out for Allison. What's the rush, sweetie? We see Kruger now leaning on a wall with his arms crossed. Stick around a while while we have a drink. You're just my type. I slammed the door behind me, and I ran like hell. Somehow, Kruger was already outside and blocked my path for about two steps. We see Kruger now leaned forward, menacing her. Didn't mommy ever teach you any manners, slut? When you get an invitation, you're supposed to RSVP. Kruger takes a swipe at her. Too bad, I'll have to show... Huh? And Kruger's... Uh, the, 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 in the path of the swipe indicates that it's passed through Allison. He took a swipe at me with his razors, but they passed right through me. I never even felt them. Kruger, well, ain't this a kick in the head? He brings a clawed index finger up to the side of his hat. Who are you? Who sent you? We see that giant head in this swaddled baby clothes. Uh, you know, he's weird. He's got no arms and legs, but he's wearing like a big diaper. It's fucking freaky looking, honestly. And he says, this, this head says, Forget it, Kruger. See, the tourists, that's all. I guess, I guess he sounds like Edwin. Let's, let's go for it. Kruger, what? She took a wrong turn someplace and wandered into the neighborhood. It happens. And if she knows what's good for her, she'll get scarce. Find another dream, sweet buns. You're not welcome here. We see Allison now back on the path. Before I could even blink, I was back in the sunlight again, and the fork in the road, all along. I rushed back to the signpost, and the grossness arrow was gone. In fact, it felt like it had never been there. At least, not for me to find it. 
And then, I guess, I woke up. I never saw the bar or the other hideosities again. Only Freddy. And that was like months later when he came to get me. Julianne. My god. He didn't find you. You found him. His razors couldn't kill you that first time because it was your dream. You were in control and somehow you remained in control. Allison. So? Julianne. So, since then, he's come after you again and again, trying to wear you down. Yeah, and? And he fails. Your dream self is too strong. Don't you see, Allison? He's terrified of you. You may be the only one that can finally destroy him. While you're getting well, while you're getting well, I'm going to teach you some things a lady called Donna Valencia Silva taught me. Caption. Two weeks later, Weston Hills Psychiatric Institute. We see Julianne walking with a, a, an older doctor. That's right. Allison's been on Hypnosil for her entire stay at Springwood Medical. This uh, doctor. With no ill effects? None. So what's the problem? Don't play ingenious, Dr. Quinn. The drug is still experimental. Its long-term effects are unknown, Julianne, and she won't be using it long-term. This was a temporary measure to ensure her safety. Close-up of this doctor. Safety? From what? Julianne, were you aware that my predecessor was forced to resign three years ago? The doctor, after an experiment with this drug resulted in the deaths of several patients and a graduate student working on staff? That's a uh, hypnocell, by the way, is from was introduced as dream suppressant into the Nightmare on Elm Street universe. I don't know if the drug actually exists, but uh, in any case, he's talking about dream warriors and the graduate student who died working on staff. That's Nancy, the most prominent character in Nightmare on Elm Street, aside from Freddy Krueger himself. Julianne, Dr. Marlin. You promised me complete autonomy in my choice of therapy for my patients. You'll have a full report when my treatment is concluded, but, Dr. Marlin, not good enough. This institute still suffers from the adverse publicity and the lawsuits related to that prior scandal. It almost forced the closure of this hospital, and I will not allow that to happen again. Julianne, bottom line, Allison Hayes will not be using that drug when she transfers here. Do we agree? And Julianne just gets up and walks away without saying anything. And Dr. Marlin looks back. Julianne? Then we see Julianne enter Dr. Watley, the evil Dr. Watley that berated her in the first issue. Walks into his office, slams the door. And she says, you bastard, why? And he is looking at some papers and has a finger to his temple and uh, just says, Let me guess, little Miss Witch Doctor. I want an answer, Dr. Watley. We see Dr. Watley put his feet up on his desk and look at her. Because I don't like you jeopardizing this hospital's future in the cause of self-aggrandizement. You know I made no secret of Allison's treatment, all the proper forms. Were signed, submitted, and read by no one, per usual. You counted on that. I felt obliged to bring the matter to Marlin's attention. 
She slams her hand out on his desk. Damn you, what about the patient? How do you feel about jeopardizing her future? Just so you could suck up to the boss. She storms out of his office. And uh, Dr. Watley yells at her. Don't blame me if you'd bothered to clear it with Marlon first. Close up of his face and he's got this shit-eating grin. <laughs> this is what happens, dear, when you master the job and ignore the political realities. And we see Julianne heading to bed. She's in a, a nightgown that clings to her body. Ooh. Caption, that night. Now what? I've taught Allison a little about Donna Valencia's techniques, but not nearly enough to even up the odds against Kruger. I'd hoped to take her to Mexico to meet Donna Valencia. I'll never sell Marlon on that idea now. And he'd advise her parents against it if I tried to treat Allison outside the clinic. She thinks, tired, outside the clinic. <laughs> it would never even get that far. I'd be fired and barred from going anywhere near Allison. I need a shower. She walks towards the shower. Political realities, having disagreed with me. They don't dare permit me the opportunity to prove I might be right. CYA first, that's the credo. Cowardice raised to an art form. We see as she enters this room, it's in blackness. And she looks surprised when she hears a voice. What did I tell you? She is now in the Oval Office, and sitting behind the desk, swiveled around, is Freddy Krueger. We can't see his face, but I mean, obviously, from the silhouette, it is him. Allison standing there. Her nightgown is very sheer. I mean, you can see everything. A little knowledge can be dangerous. <laughs> Welcome to the Oval Office where you're about to get a lesson in real politic from the man most qualified to teach you. Close up of Freddy, your education president. He hops a desk as Julianne runs away. I'm going to turn your body into a thousand points of blood, Jules. She's in the hallway, clutching her chest, breathing heavily. I can't run anymore. Too exhausted. We hear the chants of the children. Coming for you, coming for you, coming for you. She's looking around, but he's gone. She backs up to a portrait of George Washington. We see Freddy Krueger's hands clutch around Julianne's throat from behind. My Julie, tis of three, sweet throat in misery of thee I sting. We see George Washington is sprung from the painting. He is all burnt and fucked up like Freddy Krueger. And he says, I cannot tell a lie, bitch. You're dead meat. <laughs> we see Freddy Krueger cup her head, and reach with his gloved hands down towards her torso. You let your guard down, Jules. Got too upset about the little slut's welfare. He plunges his gloved hand into her abdomen. It gushes blood, and he rips his claw out. We now see Julianne collapsing onto her bed, while overhead on the top of the panel, 
Freddy Krueger's glove slips upwards, covered in gore. Should have been thinking about number one. That's the American way. We see Julianne now, lying in bed, her bedsheets completely soaked through. Julianne Quinn is dead. Allison. No! She can't be dead! Close up of Allison. I don't believe you. Any of you. Dr. Watley is standing there. Uh, Allison in Allison's medical room. Uh, her parents are nearby. And uh, she's looking inconsolable. We know how disturbing this news is to you, Allison. Yeah, sure. I'm taking on your case. We'll be moving you out of the hospital. Over to Weston Hills. And we'll stop the hypnosil treatment immediately. She tries to leave. No! Are you crazy? Are you trying to kill me? Eventually, Allison, you'll have to cope with your dreams without chemical assistance. The sooner you overcome your dependence on that medicine, the better. Allison, crying, her father wrapping his arms around her. Let me go! Why don't you believe me? If you do this, I'll die. Allie... Nobody wants to hurt you. I see you hurt yourself. Dr. Watley's only trying to help. He's an idiot. He doesn't get it. Neither do you, Daddy. Neither does anybody. Except Dr. Quinn, you mean? But she's gone, Allison. You've got to trust me now. Caption, a short time later. We see... Allison, Dr. Watley, and her parents standing outside this uh, new uh, facility. You'll like Weston Hills, Allison. It feels more like a community than a hospital. And in any case, I don't expect you'll be with us long. Allison, there's two ways to interpret that. Her mother. Can we have a look at Allison's room, Doctor? Inside. She looks around the room. It basically just looks like uh, any old medical room. Allison, looking worried, she's tugging at her fingers. Lovely. Dr. Watley, it's spotting at the moment, but you can spruce it up however you like. Allison, if I'm around long enough. There are still a few matters I have to discuss with your parents. Settle in and I'll be back to give you the grand tour. Allison, sitting at a desk. No rush. She collapses on the desk and starts to cry. I can just sit here and cry my bloody eyeballs out for a while. How did you get her, you pizza-faced son of a bitch? How? Oh my god. I miss her so much. She looks up, tears in her eyes, but a determined glint. You won't get away with this, Kruger. You won't. And you won't get me. Caption. Three weeks later, we see Allison sitting in Dr. Watley's office. She just gives Dr. Watley a blank stare. These silent sessions have to stop, Allison. I can't help you if you won't open up to me. Allison speaks. You couldn't help me if I did, Dr. Watley. No one could. Dr. Watley brings a hand to his face in frustration. Can't we at least discuss the drawings you've been doing? Allison. No. Don't you want to get well? 
Allison. I'm not sick. The images in those pictures are very disturbing. Allison. Not to me. Watley. I see. All right. The hour's over. You can go now. But what do you suppose I'll have to tell your parents about your progress? Allison standing up and leaving the office. Tell them I'm still alive. Which is more than I expected. Caption. Allison's room. We see Allison's desk, and on her wall, she's actually taped up a bunch of pictures that she's drawn. And the pictures um, are all, uh, one is of her as a little girl, and that uh, street sign that said to grossness. Then we see uh, an image of her all cut up, being helped by doctors. Then we see um, the image of her as that lady wrestler from the first issue. And then we see her in kind of like a, a vampy, sexy outfit. She's wearing like a black bra and a tight leather skirt and fishnets and knee-high boots. And then the uh, next image is her. And she's it's her, but she looks a lot more punk. And the uh, bra is turned into – it's more of like – I wouldn't say a onesie, but she's wearing all black. And her wrist now, she has spike studs on one hand, and then the other wrist is like a long spike. It almost looks like uh, an ice pick. And then after that, it's the same punked image, but this time the, the wrist gauntlet has become – it looks like a giant spike, like almost like a big syringe. And then the final image is just her, how she looks in real life, just a regular – uh, young teen. Choker. Looks pretty. Allison's narration. From wanderer to victim to gladiator to street fighter to the neighborhood of the totally psycho and back. They're not disturbing Dr. Watley. They're me. We see Allison in bed and she's drawing a picture. My personal growth program for my dream self. Something you wouldn't know Skittles about. We see Allison here, and she is holding her sketch pad. And on the sketch pad, she has drawn Freddy Krueger's fedora, his sweater, and his glove. And uh, it's very 2D cartoony drawings, she says, uh, following up from something you wouldn't know Skittles about. Or care. And that's fine. It doesn't matter. Because if you knew what I'm up to, you'd think I was even crazier. You take my disturbing images away from me. And if you did that, it'd be curtains for the kid here. Allison now lays back in bed. This is a, a gorgeous black and white drawing of her, by the way, as she's sleeping. She almost looks like, like it's a scene from Dracula or something like that. Just beautiful blonde hair down. She's wearing a choker. It's very gothic, like frilly pillows. Looks very out of time. Uh, classic. She says as she drifts off, I'm learning, Julianne. I really am. I'm doing everything you taught me. We're going to waste that creep. She closes her eyes. Suddenly, her eyes open again, and she sits up in bed. She's surrounded in a black pit. No. Damn it, I wasn't ready. I didn't mean to fall asleep. Not yet. Kruger. Just one of life's little pitfalls. We pan out, and Allison is flying on her bed towards a hellish, fiery 
pit of boiling water, jagged rocks jetting out everywhere. And in there is Freddy Krueger, not wearing a shirt. He's all burnt up, but he is wearing his hat. And he says, Want to join me for a grope in the hot tub, Allison? <laughs> the bed tips over and spills her into the water, and she screams, No! Oh, come on, a little soak to relieve the stress. She plunges into the water. Yes, have a nice dip. Dip? Kruger now, leaning back, hands behind his head. We see a close-up of him without a shirt, and his body not only is burnt, but it's almost like the souls of all his victims trying to, like, push their way out, but not in a way that he seems, like, disturbed or hurt by it. And when you're done frying, come join your little playmates. <sighs> he says as he relaxes, and the playmates, he's probably referring to the souls trapped in his body. Allison bursts out, and she is a, an even more upgraded version of this sort of warrior punk superhero with a, a big, long, uh, jutted mechanical arm looking that ends in a huge spike and she's wearing the uh the knee-high boots and it's almost like she's wearing a, a bathing suit she looks like a mid-80s early 90s uh, punk goth superhero really and she yells eat fungus and die kruger kruger well well you're further along than i thought you don't scare me anymore and you're not taking me without a fight Time for a strategic breaststroke. Try and catch me. Dog paddle, bitch. She dives into the water. Ooh, mean little jackknife. Guess this is the end for old Fred, huh? Allison plunges her spiked hand into Freddy Krueger's head, hits him right in the top, piercing his skull and fedora. She pulls it back, and inside the hat is a snake. See what happens when you stick your fingers where they don't belong? <laughs> the snake goes to bite Allison, and she, in turn, sinks her teeth into the snake. Kruger, we've got something in common, Allison. It looks to what Allison's truly doing, and she's bit off her own finger. I love finger food! Allison, no, that didn't happen. It's my dream. I'm in control. She shouts at Kruger, I am in control. Her hand has been restored, or her finger more accurately. Kruger, looking almost like nonchalant. You should have let me see that, kid. We see Allison now collapsed on the floor of Freddy Kruger's boiler room. Kruger now tapping his clawed finger to his temple. Game's over. Gonna end the way it always had to. Isn't that right? Jules. And we see behind Kruger the ghostly image of Julianne Quinn. It's true, Allison. I know now. This is his world. Allison. Julianne? We're not meant to act freely here. Once we enter his domain, there are only two choices left to us. Either we die. She grabs her own face and Julianne pulls her flesh in two and erupting from it is that same venomous snake bearing its fangs or we kill 
The snake now coils around Allison. No, I don't believe it. You're not Julianne. Julianne now bound by the snake. Kruger stalks her. Shh. It'll only hurt for a moment when I make the cut. After that, you'll feel warm as the hot juices of life well up from inside you. Then there's a whisper of frost, the faintest chill. And then it's over. And we'll be together for always. And it seems as Kruger is describing her death, she's drifting, relenting. Then her eyes open and she shouts, never. This huge explosion of energy, the snake ripped apart, Kruger flung from her proximity, and she declares, I am in control. Allison now leaves the boiler room and drops down back into her room. You're finished, Kruger. I escaped. I know the game. I know how it works. I even know I'm still dreaming. Most of all, you bastard. I know how to beat you. She grabs her book that she had drawn those cartoony images of Freddy Krueger's hat and his glove and his shirt. And she reaches to the book and pastes them on herself, almost like those paper dress-up dollies. And she grabs the sweater and then the sweater is on her. And she grabs the hat and then the hat is on her, except it's kind of like a tiny cute little hat at a jaunty angle and then she grabs the glove and now she's wearing the Freddy glove she says in my dream self I can be anything I want strong or weak beautiful or ugly good or evil or you Kruger now Bursts through her wall, concrete and plaster flying all around, and he is now standing in the opening. So, you want to play my game, huh? Well, there's more involved than the designer clothes. <laughs> oh, you've got the look down paddle, right? But you haven't been through the fire! He swipes at her, but Allison leaps into the air over top of his head. You don't have the hate in your heart. You don't have the craving for blood. She lands behind him. He takes another swipe at her, trying to catch her, but he misses. Or the taste for suffering. He manages to get a hold of her, grabbing her by the hair and by the throat. You're made of the wrong stuff. You think life is sweet and sacred, Allison. I think it's a running sore. Allison now manages to get free, and she swipes Kruger across the face, drawing blood. Who gives a damn what you think? Kruger staggers backwards in pain. Ugh. Stick me for a pig. Maybe I had you wrong. She looks surprised. What? Kruger now, licking the blood that Allison has drawn. Maybe you're not the candy ass I thought you were. You could really get into this, couldn't you? She closes her eyes. I won't let you confuse me. I know why I'm doing this. I know who I am. Kruger stalks forward. So do I. And I think we're made for each other. <laughs> Allison. No. 
Why live a lie, Allison? I see the spark of desire in your eyes. He reaches with his gloved hand to her gloved hand. Take my hand. Let's rub razors. She grabs him by the wrist. No, Fred. That could never be enough. I want to give you all of me. She plunges her gloved hands deep into his stomach. Skloosh. Kruger staggers back. Bitch! Well, come on, then. Finish it. Let's see if you've got the nerve. Allison lunges forward. I do. And you're going to. Allison, what's wrong? We see Dr. Watley enter the room. We heard noises, and she shouts, Die! And she hits uh, Dr. Watley right in the eyes with her fingers. She's awake now. John! Lewis! These two uh, orderlies come and restrain Allison. It's okay, Dr. Watley. We got her. Allison. Doc- But where? Oh, God, what have I done? And Dr. Watley um, manages to avoid injury on his eyes, but uh, he, his cheek did get scratched by Allison's regular nails, not, you know, Freddy Scissorhand nails. Watley. I tried to warn you, Allison. An episode like this was inevitable if you refused to examine your feelings. Take her to the secure ward and see that she's sedated. Allison now, struggling against the orderlies, she's pulled away. No, please. Dr. Watley now. And when you wake up, maybe you'll let me try and help. And we see on the ground, Freddy Krueger's fedora hat and the chanting of the children coming for you three four the end i've been your horror host wes dead air nipe and you've been listening to panels of blood